Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, and welcome to Stalking Time for the Moon Boys. Uh, with me, David Baddiel, and somewhere else, Tim Hinks. Hello. Hello, David. We've gone back into lockdown, haven't we? So I'm now at home, you're at your house. Yeah. And, and we're on, on computers, and it's all, yeah, very alienating. Yes, well, I'm going to let light in on magic here, and it's it's oh. really a very magical thing indeed. Normally, when me and Tim record the podcast uh, remotely from different places, we are asked by uh, our various lovely producing folk to record the audio separately on our phones or elsewhere. And I, I think every time we've done that, Tim at some point afterwards says, I think I've got most of it, which is a very <laughs> depressing moment for us all. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, if you're listening to this and it suddenly cuts out in a clear edit, clearly us then talking about 20 minutes later, that's Tim's fault. It's, it's, I can tell you now it's recording, it's, it all is going swimmingly from a Is technical it? point of view. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So got, far. Is that all your guitars? 
Sorry, uh, you can't you can't see this, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I'm assuming some women listen to this. Who knows? I've never actually been inside your house, as you know. I've been in your garden, uh, but I've never been inside your house. And I didn't realize you had like that's like five guitars. Do you have more? Do you mean behind you? I was I was trying to work out whether you said you were saying is that all your guitars or <laughs> is that all no. your guitars? No, I, I'm not scoffing at the right. amount of guitars you have because unless you were Eric, if you were Eric Clapton, I might say is that all your guitars? But seeing your Tim Higgs. I'm saying, is that all yeah. your? Are all it, those are all your guitars? Yeah, I've got one, two, six here. What's the best one? Um, the best one, the fastest is fastest. Uh, no, I don't fastest. know. I'm just trying to think. Sort of saying, what's the best guitar? <laughs> so they have wheels sure on them. What criteria you'd go with? Okay. I like uh, I like the Fender. I like the Stratocaster at the moment. I like they 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 check. They basically change. It depends what mood I'm in. They change. What are you a billionaire? No, but what what I mean. You don't. You wake up one morning and you think, "Oh, I think I'm going to buy a Telecaster today." What I'm going to replace about? them with pianos today. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I mean, yes, I'm a billionaire. Just, just if you want, because I don't yeah. want. It's factually yes. Yeah. But what I mean is, it's like, what's your fate? Which Bowie album you're listening to? You know, you're sort of suddenly in a lad insane mood or whatever. So it depends. Sometimes one guitar is just suddenly becomes my favourite, and then I'll change. Okay. So I mean. Any burglars listening, you might not want me to say this, but that Les Paul behind you, is that a Gibson Les Paul? Uh, yeah, it is. Basically, next door to me, used in um, in West London, I'm going to call it, because I'm actually thinking about burglars now. <laughs> what, what's the address exactly? What's the postcode? <laughs> <laughs> it's, in, it's in a capital city, yeah. in, in one, one of the four capitals uh, right. in the kingdom. Yeah. And end of my road, turn right. Yeah. There's a guitar shop called Chandler's Guitars. It's quite okay, famous. You, I mean, anyone can Google that and pinpoint where your house is, but there we go. Well, it's closed now, and then they, so yeah. they take everything I, off Google. Yeah, do they? they yeah. <laughs> yeah. David Bowie's dead now. You can't find anything about him on Google. <laughs> you can find loads. Um, so there's this guitar shop just, just near me, and it was full of guitars. Obviously, was it? But okay. Really, really... And like the Rolling Stones used to go there, oh. or Ronnie Wood used to go, and sort of quite famous people went. It was a proper, really good, a bit like the Denmark Street ones. It was really well right. regarded. It was here for 30 years. And it used to be run by a guy called Al, who right. I, was really lovely. Wasn't and your hairdresser also called Al? No, that's Al's clip joint. Oh, yeah, Al's but clip it's not, joint. But it's not, Are you just not making up? Because I think <laughs> so, in Happy Days, the burger joint was called Al's as well. I, so I'm wondering it? if you're just... Defaulting to Al as the name for anyone who runs a shop that you that you frequent. But I'm pretty still. sure. I'm pretty sure. And um, it was Arnold's. It was Arnold's in Happy Days. It was Arnold's. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, so two things of note happened in that guitar shop for for me. One is, uh, and I used to buy guitars there, so I bought, I did buy a Gibson SG. So when you bought a guitar there, you could sort of if you got bored of it, you could sort of sell it back to them and they'd re- really yeah they'd sort of oh. well it's a shop I mean it's not I suppose I mean, so like, but it still feels quite a uh, quite an odd business practice. But it felt like yeah. safe. It felt felt safe to sort of buy. It's shut, you say now. Yeah, it's closed exactly. down now. <laughs> I go every morning to check because I've got all these guitars. So I've got, <laughs> you I want to sell back to on. them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They said yeah. I could come back any time. Yeah. So one thing of note, just as it happens, Al, his dad was really wealthy, and I suppose that's probably how you can run a guitar shop. Like you know, maybe you want to be a rock star, um, but you end up running a guitar shop, and he ran a really lovely guitar shop, and he was a really nice guy, and his dad was quite wealthy. His dad made money. I'll give you one guess. If you get it... Selling guitars. It's got nothing oh, to do with guitars. I've got it wrong. I, that was my guess. No, okay, well, I'll give you two guesses. Oh. If if you get this guess right, yeah. Yeah. I will give you all my guitars. 
Okay. When was his wealth? Am I allowed a clue at all? Okay, a clue. Uh, it's the guitars are still included in the offer, even though you're giving me a clue which wasn't in the original. Well, offer. I'm a bit worried about giving you. I, I can, you can take all my guitars but one and just leave the one. Just leave one of them with me. Which one? Well, you can decide. Okay. So you all know right. what my favourite is, um, yep. but that's just this week. Yeah. So it was something to do with being in the house. Being in the house. Bit being in a house. Okay. And that's how his dad made money. It's it's a household thing. Right. Uh, his dad his dad invented it. Burglar alarms. Oh god! I was actually slightly palpitating that you might just get it, <laughs> and then I'd have to sort of honour it. I think you would definitely. Uh, I'd definitely have taken the guitars. Not burglar alarms. He oh. he invented Henry the Hoover. Oh, no. I, yeah, maybe I could have got that. If I'd, if I'd well, really, it, really yeah. thought about the clue, it's something to do with the house. I might have got that. There's only one okay. answer when you think about it. So, so he, he invented the smiley-faced Hoover. Yeah, and that's where the money co- came from to, to allow Al, I suppose, to, to run a guitar, have a go at running a guitar. So the do you, two do things, you think that, mm. that Al's dad was, frankly, disappointed that his son owned a, owned a guitar shop with the money that has closed down and that, therefore, I'm now picturing him as Henry the Hoover, but looking sad. <laughs> I see what you mean. Um, I hope not, because Al was, and probably still is, uh, a lovely guy. It was a really, it was a famous guitar shop. It did pretty well. He didn't clean up like his dad did. Um, uh, what in both ways? Yeah, that yeah. Was, you, you were going for the pun there. That was the pun. Yeah, you know, well, I didn't just go for it. I, I did it. You I really it. did it. Yeah. 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 So, um, but I hope he was proud of him. On a serious note, I hope he was proud of his son because yeah. he was lovely. Yeah. Um, two things of note. Oh wow. One, downstairs in 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 Chandler's, there was like a um, basement, yeah. and it was full of guitar amps. So if you were looking at a guitar, you could go downstairs and try it out on one of. It was amazing on one of sort of fifty amps. You could take your pick. Right. And once. Once I was down there in a way that I still feel really good about, I was down there noodling away on a guitar and then the door opened and Al came in with a phone in his hand, like a landline, yeah, and slightly took me by surprise and said in that sort of, like they do on telly, like with his hand over the receiver so the person yeah. on the other end couldn't hear it, yeah, and said, Tim, it's the missus. <laughs> and, and but your wife not Al's yeah, wife no okay. exactly my wife and he was sort of basically saying where's the effect of shall I tell her you're here or <laughs> yeah and so it was like a 1970s sitcom moment totally like being like, in the pub yeah. like the, 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 the bloke the funny bloke Terry right. Scott as, yes as he's gone off for, he's supposed to be doing the washing up or the, yeah. he's one girl right. the laundry a year and, he, and he's, he's bunked off to the guitar shop exactly and, Al, and Al's trying to help you out here He's trying to out, and I felt really like, God, I'm part of something really brilliant here for a second. <laughs> okay. I also, I love the fact that Pippa, my wife, phoned the guitar shop to <laughs> yeah. I was there. Yeah. That also makes me feel good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, right so is there, is, there, is there a third one? I mean, God, I think we have to, we're tied to the stake now. You said there were three things. Second one. No, no, no yeah. the number, well, that was the second one. Yeah, what I mean is, the, the thing about Henry the Hoover wasn't meant to be a moment, it was just a oh, so, so that was the first one. Well, no, that was just a bit of colour before we got to the two notable things. Okay, what's the other notable thing? Oh, good. I didn't know if you'd be interested. Um, <laughs> the other thing is that I there were various famous people went there. I don't think yes. I ever saw any of them, as I've said. But I did bump into someone in my world who's quite famous. Well, very famous in the sense that they meant a lot to me at a certain point. And I'm not going to make you guess. This is going to be a TV executive, isn't it? No. 
A producer. Not be TV. It's going to be a person that was on TV, very much in relation to guitars, but not a music. Well, probably a musician, not a famous rock star. It was a woman. And if I okay, let me try it this way. If I are said, you going to give me your guitars if I get it? No, because I'm okay. going to tell you her name. Except that you might not. It might not mean anything to you. Okay. And so I'm going to say her name. I'll take a risk. If you get it right, I'll give you a plectrum. Judith Halm from Tomorrow's World. No. Okay. Uh, but but good guess. Yeah. Right. Her is one name. A bit like Madonna, and it's like you'll either you'll either you know one name should be enough. Her name was Deirdre. What from Coronation Street? No. I thought you were going to say that. No. No, then I don't know. Okay. So if I said Deirdre from Rock School. No. Oh, for God's sake. I didn't watch Rock School. Well, Rock School... Is it like I, Rock I, Follies? No. No, Rock School was like a music programme for... Like, feels like it was after Grange Hill, or is that sort of that yeah. tea time thing? And it taught you about musical instruments, and Deirdre was the guitarist. Really? And she was quite, I think, a bit brummy from memory. She wasn't the most inspiring, but, but basically she used to play on effects pedals and play the guitar. When and, you say one name, Deirdre... Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not like Madonna. I'm pretty sure that Deirdre is actually Deirdre Collins, for example, and you just knew her first name. You said oh, it I like, see, I like see what you mean. she was just known as Deirdre. No one is just known as Deirdre, except perhaps the woman from Coronation Street. And even <laughs> she, I think, does have a surname. Yeah, I see what you mean. It's not, if you said, yeah, it's a good point. If you said, I think you'll understand what I mean by Deirdre from Rock School, you said, no. And I said, Deirdre Miggins from Rock School. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. No, true. you're right. Yeah. Also, if that surname happened to be from Rock School, if it was some weird sort of <laughs> semi-Swedish name called from right. Rock School, that would be amazing, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, and a bit, but it was, it was Deirdre from Rock School. And I felt pretty excited, actually, because I really... When you were, you know, before the internet, when you're trying to play a musical instrument, play guitar, and there was a BBC TV show that taught you that had effects pedals and interviews with, like, Ozzy Osbourne and stuff, pretty exciting. Yeah. That sounds good. That sounds like the perfect person. I think we've talked in the past. I'm going to say it again. This, this very much eats itself, this podcast. But I think we've talked <laughs> in the past about how my friend Tracy McLeod, who you know, once yeah. talked about a phenomenon that should be a German word for, of when people see people off the telly in the places they expect to see them. And she, because she used to present the late oh, show, felt yes. that whenever people saw her in an art gallery... Mm. Mm. She always thought they were thinking, hmm, yeah, of course, of course she's yes. here. Or if when people, when I did fancy football, if people saw me at football, you seeing Deirdre from Rock School at a guitar shop is yes. exactly that. Is it, it, and I was really interested to know, I can't, she was trying a guitar, I can't remember, if, but yeah, it's very much in a natural habitat. Yeah, but like, like seeing a lion in the, in, in, the, in the Serengeti, actually no, not in the Serengeti, that's desert, yes. isn't it? No, the Serengeti, that, no, but there are you lions, lions in, the, in Yes, do you, you do. Yeah, I've been on safari. I'm pretty sure you get lions in the Serengeti, unless they're extinct in the same way that Deirdre may now be extinct. I hope not. Well, let's hope not. When you're when you're a kid, lions. You draw, if you were to draw a lion, you'd probably draw it in a jungle, wouldn't you? That's the point I was getting. I think that's what that's misconception, isn't it? Yeah, but they're definitely in the savanna as well, and that's what the Serengeti is. Is it okay? So, yeah. so it's like so. Deirdre, it was like seeing a lion in the Serengeti. It was like, yeah, yeah, of course, that's exactly that's exactly a lion in, in in Al's clip joint sitting yeah. in a chair. Al's clip joint isn't clip joint also the name for uh, in Soho in the old days when strip clubs used to exist? Were they also called clip joints? Yeah, I think the clip thing is about is a sort of about nicking money, isn't it? It's, yeah, I think it's, it describes the act. But of... you you mean cutting your hair? <laughs> fact, yeah, you know no. I don't. Was it actually called Al's clip joint? Your hairdresser? Yeah, it's good. It was point. called Al's clip joint. 
When I used to, now you mention it, I used to go in there and they'd ask, they'd, they'd say, why don't you buy a bottle of champagne? Do you want a bottle of champagne for £100? And then uh, Pete and... the Barber would dance. Yeah. <laughs> and you wouldn't very... be allowed out until you'd spent an enormous <laughs> amount on tips. Anyway, I should say we're, we're, we've called this podcast. I mean, obviously, you know, we occasionally just do it anyway, but we've called this podcast for a reason. It's meant to be a special. We've managed to talk for 15 minutes without getting to the reason, but I'm going to announce it now, uh, which is it's meant to be a Stardust special. And by mm. Stardust, I don't mean the film that came out in 2007, which was written by Jane Goldman and Neil Gaiman and Matthew Vaughan, I believe, but the film that just came out, which has got Johnny Flynn playing David Bowie in it. You may, listeners, I imagine the listeners of this podcast do know about it, so I don't really yeah, need got to, to go on and on about it. Uh, but we've been eagerly waiting for it for some time and I saw it the other day you saw it the other day mm. and um I don't know whether a part of me wanted it to be better than it was or what mm. I mean part of me there's nothing to do with David Bowie wanted it to be better than it was because I like to think of myself as an original thinking you know person who doesn't go with the flow that I you know have my own ideas yeah. about things which is fitting because you are the only person that thinks that about yourself so yeah, that is exactly. actually proof very- positive <laughs> 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 and I, I very much felt the prevailing wind about Stardust was this is shit. And unfortunately, it was shit. There's no getting around it. I, I can't really come to you now, Tim, or listeners, yeah. with a redeeming feature of it. Even though I like Johnny Flynn as an actor, and he, he can sing. But mm. as we know, number one problem, well, there are other problems, but number one problem is David Bowie, uh, or the David Bowie estate, did not allow for any of his music to be in that film. I mean, I, like you, I think basically it is shit, but I find it hard to completely dispense with it. I think there are, I don't know whether I'm just a bit romantic about it, but but it, what, what I was thinking after it in the day, it's almost got better over time to the extent that I said to my daughter, Ava, we should watch it together because she likes Bowie like Dolly, your daughter does. And it's not so shit that I wouldn't sit with her and watch it. And I was trying to work out why that was. No, but that's and, when I watched it with Dolly, part of what we were doing, which I'm sure you were doing as well a bit, was feasting on the wrongness of it from the yeah. perspective of people who feel rightly or wrongly that they really know about David Bowie. So the the endless small errors it was making were meat and drink to us watching it. I think that's true. I mean, there's another way of thinking, partly what I was thinking afterwards, but I don't know how true this is, is that, you know, like those stories that people of a certain generation will tell that when they first heard, you know, the Beatles or whatever, you know, they would listen to it under the covers on Radio Caroline or something. Yeah, you hear that a lot, yes, yes. I'm never entirely sure why they would have to go under the covers. I think They could just turn it down a bit. Why would they? Or maybe I'm conflating. Is it? No, you're right. That That is the myth. But now I think about it, I'm not entirely sure why it has to be under the covers. I think to stop outside noise. Would, would, is the idea that your mum and dad in conservative 1963 or whenever, Caroline, would come and say, stop, turn that racket down and yes, listen, to okay. the, listen to the light service? I mean, there seems to be, without, I don't want to go off the plot or anything, but there seems to be two things that are nowhere near as good as films and, I mean, probably more than that, but two particular things that television and film have made seem really good and are really shit. One is being under the covers for any length of time. Yeah. Like, I think after about seven seconds, you want out. Yeah. So, well, can I, I, I'm going to have to add 
to that, even though we, yeah. yes, we're going off the point. In one of my children's books, uh, The Boy Who Could Do What He Liked, there is a scene in which uh, the boy does something, which was in fact told to me by my friend Paul Morris when I was at Habonim Camp, the Jewish youth camp that I used right. to go to, which is a game that he used to play, apparently, whereby, I think he did it with his brother. He, he used to share them with his brother. And, I mean, they were young. They were like 12. Uh, it would be weird if they were older. And Paul would fart in the bed. Right. And then they would have to go to the bottom wow. of the bed both wow. of them, and come up again. And he called that game Escape from Farty Harbour. <laughs> I've, always, I've always really liked Harbour, I have That's, to say. Yeah. Harbour is great. Like uh, but, it, but it has always slightly put me off, uh, the idea of being under the covers. Whenever, yeah. I'm, uh, whenever I, I imagine being under the covers, I think this is a bit like Escape from Farty Harbour. <laughs> I think it's airless. I think it's just... Certainly, uncom- yeah. Escape from Farty Harbour was airless. Yeah, so, well, so I think that is nowhere near as good as everyone makes it sound. That's why I don't quite believe those stories. Um, the romantic story. The other thing that's nowhere near as good as people make it out to be on telly and films is having a glass of wine in a bath. I think that is <laughs> utterly rubbish. Yeah. You get hot. It's an awkward angle. Yeah. You keep think. You lie back and you think, "Oh God, I better get up again and have a glass." You know, drink because yeah. it's getting warm. Yeah. It's you. It's got this weird sensation of being in bubbles and heat, but having wine go down your throat. It's just yeah. it's rubbish, isn't it? Yes. Although I. I think wine on telly and on film to some extent, especially in like American films, it's often there's a sense in which adulthood is signified by a very big glass, yes. enormous glass that somebody's pouring like, like, like wine into. And you think, right, <laughs> this is supposed to say we are all sophisticated, you know, yes. comfortable, grown-up adults. Look at look at us with this wine. And I think, yeah, if, if someone then takes it into the bath, it's supposed to be ultimate luxuriousness. It's Well, it's absolutely supposed to be take some me time, indulge yourself. And actually what mm. it is, is like, why don't you take, like, start multitasking even when you're relaxing? And why not take the pleasure out of both wine and the bath? Yes. And and I, I, I'm really... Yeah. You know, if there is a petition, if there's a move, I'm w- I would sign it. I would, yeah. I'd, I'd, can I, it can should... I go back to Stardust? I know, I know, you, yeah. these are important things. Uh, but right. We could go back to Stardust for a second. Uh, can I just raise a few issues? I don't know how many you had, but I'll, I'll begin with Angie Bowie in that film is yeah. played. Now, you see, I mean, I'm prepared to open my mind here, right? Angie Bowie in that film is played by an American actress, yeah. doing a not very good. English accent, mm. and Angie Bowie is, of course, American. Now, someone out there, and perhaps you, a Bowie nerd, may be about to tell me, no, 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 in the 70s, it's well known, if you really know your stuff, Angie was always affecting a British accent. But hang on, she is Ameri- she's got an American accent, Angie. Angie Bowie has, but that actress was playing her British, or sort of half, half Australian, sort of... It wasn't American. No, it didn't feel... I, I, I would just... Zoom out slightly because I think that's an important issue, Angie. And also, call me, that sounded to... like you were calling me Angie. It really sounded like <laughs> it. How did that feel? Oh, I quite liked it. I quite liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. let's let's stick with that. <laughs> yeah. um, Angie's really interesting. Not you. You're not interesting. <laughs> but the other Angie's really interesting yeah. because she's made. A, it's basically they've done a sort of Yoko of myth mythology and yes. made her utterly evil. Sort of literally when David's having a breakdown, she's like, "Oh, for God's sake, leave me alone! It's late." It was a really that's, that's sort of the accent she's doing, right? Yeah, that's uh, what which had an element had an element of the laughing gnome to it. I thought when you just <laughs> just now. Oh come on, David! Just a slight <laughs> element of that to it. Uh, more Dalek. Yeah, um, yeah, like Dalek. But but, um, but there's a, there's also a sense in the film that what they've done is they've 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 put it together and gradually bits start falling off. But they think, well, let's just go with it. So 
So they've got an actress who doesn't have the you know right accent and won't do the right accent. Most people are about twenty years older than their yeah, parts. Everyone's too old. Should be right. There's a lot of Australian in it, which is far. I mean, obviously, lot of, some of my best friends are Australian, but it feels very are, much are like they? Isn't, what are they actually? What, one good friend is <laughs> Australian, okay. okay, but she's not my best friend, right? Um, so there's a lot, and, and in the music, no music. Do you but, think that actually happened? Can I just stop you there? Is it actually, mm. surely it's the case that I can't remember the name of the director. It's gone now. No, uh, I can't. But the, they got it together. I don't know at what stage, and presumably thought they were going to get the music at that stage. I don't know, and and then didn't, and then thought, oh fuck it, we're going to do it anyway. You would definitely start whatever with the notion you're going to use the music. But there's no question. There's no question they didn't sort of at some point apply to the Bowie estate and say, "Can we use the music?" I right? know, if but you... but it's so weird to sort of start production. I mean, you know, yes. we both work in television, and I've made films, and I I don't understand how such a key element of it would be something that you'd just leave to chance or you know think, yeah, yeah, that'll happen, yeah. and then when it doesn't. Think, okay, we'll work round it. <laughs> I think that the one thing I said to you, and I, I don't know if I, in the end I believe this or whether I was just trying to, is that there is an argument you can run, which is that it's better without his music, which, which I know sounds odd, but which is to say it's not trying to be Rocket Man or it's a very particular moment in time. And somehow I feel that if there's any saving grace about it, and I'm not sure there is, it's almost to take it away from the Bowiness and make it more about someone a bit kooky who's struggling to try and make the big time and it's a sort of it's a sort of slice of of that early 70s singer songwriter struggling and actually if you'd have had changes or you know would it have made it sort of more ridiculous because it's so far i don't know i mean a probably well yeah but the big problem with that is i mean well firstly i think with all these things i think with the Jimi hendrix film and interestingly enough i don't know if you saw sylvia sylvia was a film about sylvia plath and ted hughes they weren't allowed to use right. the poetry Okay. In that, and and then <laughs> right. you just think, who are these people yes. that you're representing here? Because I think that's you know true. what, without this stuff, they're just ordinary people. Yeah, <laughs> David Bowie without David Bowie songs is just an ordinary person. There's a an, a notion of him as like somehow mythic. Anyway, he isn't. He's only mythic with the music. I couldn't you know, agree more. If you actually imagine his life without the music, yeah, you know, he would probably have worked in Chandler's. But in a way, the, that's the guitar shop, by the way. <laughs> for anyone who's forgotten, that's the guitar shop, right? I fully agree. I think that you almost want to show that film to anyone who's about to say something about Bowie uh, on his anniversary or whatever, because what it might stop that trend, which is he was a, you know, what's interesting about Bowie is the clothes he wore, yeah, I know all look, that. Yeah, it or is, how we, and it's not what's interesting at all. He's quite a good example of how. How that's yeah. right, and I know something we've said many, many times that it's the it's the music. But what is the fucking song that they play at the end? Dolly seemed to think it was a song that the Spiders from Mars did, because for anyone who hasn't seen it, Bowie in it, Johnny Flynn, does play a number of covers that Dave Bowie did actually do, Amsterdam, My Death. But then he also, at the end, sorry, this is a spoiler alert, not really, because it, it is sort of a biopic, so if you're listening to this, you probably know this, that when he finally creates, it's an origin story after all, he finally yeah. creates Ziggy Stardust, they go to the Friars Aylesbury on, you know, one of their first big gigs, and they don't open with, say, five years, which is what no. they probably would have opened with. They open with I don't know what it is. And that and Hang it's on. like it's like goes on for like five minutes. Like like when in the in Bohemian Rhapsody, 
they do Bohemian Rhapsody at the end of it, right? And you think, yes, that's fitting. But have you any idea what that song is? Yes. I mean, the truth is every song I knew, right? And so I know, but I just cannot remember. I can't, What's he doing when they're, when they're, sing, uh, when they're the singing? The last song in the movie. So they come on, they play a kind of Stooges song, it sounds like to me, a kind of thrash, punky song, even though it's before no, they punk. Put, I mean, what is it? I honestly can't remember. I mean, the truth is I'm now looking it up because I, okay. I knew every... There's nothing there that I didn't know, and I'm sure it's well, yeah, the there is something because you don't know this. Well, except I just can't remember. What we, I just literally can't... I, mean, I know I know all the songs. Okay, it's by far the longest bit of music in it. That's really what I think is amazing, is that your point about, well, by not using Bowie's songs, they take it away and make it into a more, you know, kind of generalised film about the 70s and singer-songwriting becoming glam rock or whatever... I mean, that would be true were it not for the fact that you are, I think, supposed to watch five minutes of this song and think, yes, this is this person becoming who he's meant to be. But all you're thinking is, what the fuck is this? What terrible noise? Because it's not a great I, David Bowie song. I literally can't remember. I mean, I know that not everything there, they were mining his cover versions that is a song I Are you not finding? No, I can't. Last song in Stardust. We have to talk about one other thing. Well, many many other things, uh, if we're going to do the Star Special. Uh, but you wrote, you texted me, you were watching it slightly before me, to say that it was the worst Mark Boland you'd ever seen, and uh, you've seen Jack Whitehall play him. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the Mark Boland... It, it, again, spoiler alert, but the movie begins, after an initial sort of cold opening, it begins at Haddon Hall, and there's, yeah. you know, there's some slightly tiresome... 70s kind of sex games going on and drugs and blah 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 and david comes downstairs and there's beautiful women kind of fawning around him he's he's done space oddity by now but he's kind of struggling beyond that and in his kitchen for some reason is mark bowden who may have been at head and all but who would have been a massive massive star at that point in time yeah and he's spouting terrible poetry yeah, actually, it's a like terrible... something I, out of Viz. Yes, I felt very sorry for Mark Boland, uh, who, you know, he's dead, so he's, I don't think he's bothered about it. But, yeah, not only was he played by a bloke who was about 58 and yeah. who looked like... Uh, well, I, I described him on Twitter as looking like a Charles II lookalike. Yeah. Uh, with all the syphilis and all the rest of it. Um, <laughs> but he's portrayed as an absolute pretentious twat who right at the end of the movie, when David Bowie and the, and the spiders are playing that terrible song, there's a close-up of him in the audience looking as if, ah, yes, I realise I have passed on the, yeah. um, the, the, the the flame. This 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 is the Jesus to my John the Baptist. And you're just thinking, no, it isn't, because it's a terrible song. Well, but on top of that, the, the thing I felt is that they show that he's basically... At the front of the mosh pit, Mark Bowie. Yes. So the idea that Bowie wouldn't have given him a decent ticket, or <laughs> yeah. is, and, and he's sitting right at the front, is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. I'm not. I'm not absolutely convinced he'd have gone to Aylesbury at that point in time. Well, there's there's also that. Basically, most of the movie, like nine tenths of the movie, is David Bowie and Mark Maron. David Bowie played by Johnny Flynn and Mark Maron playing yeah. the only guy in Mercury, his American company, who believes in David Bowie at this yeah. point in time. Uh, traipsing around America, not able to play any proper gigs, playing a few parties, embarrassing parties, and doing some terrible radio interviews. That, I think, is true, by the way. Yeah, that, definitely. That happened. Uh, but and, that's- I, and don't you think, just pause, that to me was kind of, I was okay with that, because that just felt like 
like the sort of thing, you know, a British star going to, to America, trying to make it. That felt all right to me, you know, sort of moderately interesting. Sort of it's all right. Actually, it's all right. I mean, I, I, to be honest, I like Johnny Flynn. I wasn't convinced by Johnny Flynn's bow. It just felt like a fey, shy character. No, although didn't you think sometimes in certain lights he looked exactly like Bo? There was that, at that period. No, I thought that, some... what I thought. I thought there was one thing that was good in the movie, and that was the costumes. Uh, and his teeth. And his teeth. His teeth were good, and the costumes yeah. were good. You know, the clobber was pretty good, and he wore the right clothes, especially in the you know hunky dory period and all that stuff. Uh, they, oh god, there's one terrible moment. Sorry, I've just got to cover up. Yeah. One fucking incredible moment. So clearly, the ban extended to even quoting lyrics. So there's one bit where he's being interviewed by someone from Rolling Stone or someone, and they quote "Man Who Sold the World." Only they don't. <laughs> they quote. Yes. Uh, the Kipling poem <laughs> yeah, about yeah. the bloke on the stair. What is it? There was, there I was met a man, a man on the stair. He yeah. wasn't there. Or he, what was it? What is the act? What's the Kipling? Uh, I, I, something like, I met a man on the stair. He wasn't there again today. That one. That I one. Did, the, the one that yeah. Kermit sings, doesn't he? Doesn't Kermit do a version Does of he? it? Yeah. It's like, he wasn't there again today. I wonder if he'll go away or something. Yeah. Oh, and they it's, quote that as if that, that are the lyrics of Man Who Sold the World. Which they're not halfway yes. down the stairs. The cur- that's a di- is that something different? No, that's that's, that's different. Isn't that sitting? That's this very sad song he sings. That's about. Robin the Frog. Here it is. Hang on. That's not Kipling. I'm pretty sure. Robin the Frog. Is that a different from the poem about being? I'm half pretty. Up the stairs? I'm pretty sure. It just happens to mention stairs in it. I don't think it's <laughs> anything. Else. Isn't the man on the stairs also halfway down the stairs? I don't think so. I think you're thinking about there's there's a mouse with clogs on. Uh, I am uh, thinking about that. Well, I'll tell you something interesting, which is that uh, the writer and previously comedian Mark Billingham started complaining to me about about Stardust and mentioned uh, the bit with Man Who Sold the World. And I think I said, yeah, they might as well have done the one by Kermit. And he liked it. And I now realise he must have had no idea what I was talking about. (laughs) (laughs) But there we go. It's it's as much... What is it? Sorry, just this isn't that. What's the little mouse with clogs on? What's that? I've never He's quite honest. known what the little mouse with clogs on is. I saw a mouse there, there on the stair. Yeah. The little mouse with clogs. Stair, where on there, there. That's right. I mean, to be honest, any of these things could have been inserted in that moment for yes. this is what yes. you... Because the guy actually says to him, I think the journalist says to the David Bowie character, what does it mean? And you kind of think like, well, David didn't write that. So yes. he can't answer that. Unless he just does some literary criticism of the Kipling poem. Here's 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 what the song was. What what man is on the world? It's from Pinups. Oh no, sorry. The song you're thinking of is from Pinups. Oh, you found it. And it's I wish you would. Ah. That's the one, isn't it? So who's it's a cover of who? I think it's Yardbirds or it's them ah. or one of those Jeff Beck or right. Yeah, it's not even one of the big songs on Pinups, which is interesting. No, I mean what it means is the other songs on Pinups, CMD Play, Friday on My Mind, whatever. Were also too expensive for Stardust. They chose the cheapest song on pinups. Can I just tell you, from my own experience, I because I've spoken to uh, the Pink Floyd people about doing a uh, Sid Barrett biopic, which I'm interested oh, yeah. in trying to write. Yeah, uh, I can tell you that see Emily play would definitely, definitely, definitely have cost them a lot of money. So I, yeah, I'm right. sure it's not because they liked that song. Right, no, fair enough. But I think what's interesting is that in the biopic, okay, it's one thing not to have any music whatsoever, but it's sort of worse, isn't it, to do to say, well, imagine him. This isn't Bowie. This is an actor playing him. But imagine him singing other people's songs. In other words, 
assume he just didn't write anything. Yeah. And he just assume he was, he was a covers artist. Sort of, assume yeah. he was a really, so really important covers artist. Yeah. It's worse. Would it be worse? Okay, the one thing that would be worse would be to write original songs for him, wouldn't it? That would oh. be worse. So well, no, no, to- no, no, I don't agree with that because that is what okay. happens in Velvet Goldmine. Oh, yeah, yeah, good point. And I much prefer Velvet Goldmine. Yes, okay. Actually, okay, do you know let- what Velvet Goldmine actually is? Sorry, this is getting very nerdy now. But Velvet Goldmine, which is a film I like, is half songs written for the film and half yeah. things like Steve, weird Steve Harley and Cockney Rebel songs. It's also got Velvet Goldmine in, right? And Velvet, has it got Velvet Goldmine in it? Actually, it got have. Velvet Goldmine in it. So it, it does have, have a Bowie song in it. Well, so I'm, I'm just saying... I don't I know if it does, actually. Maybe it doesn't. That'd be so weird. Um, I can't remember if it does or not. But it does, like it has Sebastian in it. Uh, which is a good, uh, weird song by Cockney Rebel um, right. in it. Uh, I sort of prefer, what's his name? Jonathan Rhys-Meyers' character yeah. in that. But it's a, it's a much better director. It's Todd Haynes, isn't it? It's a much better director. Yeah. Well, okay, let, I'll rephrase it. What would be really bad is if the people behind this particular film wrote original songs. Yes, for that would be fun. Would, oh, my God. Because they, that's it. they yeah. would all be about space. They'd all be about space. But you, here's another thing about Stardust, which is... I mean, this might just be sort of specific to the moment, but there were bits in it. I thought, oh, this is kind of an this kind of is a film for Bowie nerds because I know it leads to his epiphany about being like an impersonation of a rock star instead of a real rock yeah. star. But it's a very nerdy thing that Bowie was in New York that he didn't have a good time meeting Andy Warhol, and then he met Doug Yule of the yeah. Velvet Underground and thought it was Lou Reed. Yeah. You know, that is something that happened, but it's it's like, I think we talked about it, having yeah. discovered it on like uh, season, if I can say that, four or something. And there's other strange things like that. Like, for example, Woody and Trevor are in it, very carefully recreated, like Trevor's sideburns, which you yeah. all know, uh, which are long and sort of grey and black. They're very carefully recreated, but they don't actually get any names. At no point does anyone call them Trevor or Woody. In fact, no. in fact, Mick Ronson, I think, just about gets a name check. And so I can't work out if this film has been made by Bowie people or not, really, is my point. Yeah, so that's really interesting because it's like a sort of selection of Q magazine anecdotes that they've sewn together. I don't know. I thought the spiders bit from memory, yeah, was quite sort of true to form. Other than, again, you've got this terrible thing constantly of thinking, well... Should we show Mick Ronson playing the... You know, like, there's nothing... You can't... It's like watching a film about... What were those spate of films about racing car drivers, like Nicky Lauder and, you know, Senna and all those? It's like sort of just seeing them on the way to the racetrack and then then waiting for them to come home again and just not being... So, in that sense, I thought they did quite a good job. I suppose you could say... They spent quite a lot of time with him not on stage. You know, the actual stories, you say, going around America in the back of the car and all that. And I quite, I suppose what I did come away with was the feeling of, I mean, I knew, I had this feeling anyway, but it was a really hard road and he really had to keep going, uh, Bowie, as we know, and and had this incredible self-belief and all of that. And it's a sort of reminder, but then frankly, I could remind myself of that. Yes. Without sitting down watching. I mean, I mean, in, there's this one bit where he's, a, um, you know, he, he goes to America and the Mark Myron character, whose name I can't remember, he's Ron, is it? Uh, can't remember. Uh, the anyway, that character. I mean, actually, I sort of like as someone who has occasionally found himself thinking, "Ah, oh, this is very shit," and and I have to do the gig. Uh, I sort of felt that was true enough that he takes him yeah. to his first gig, and it's um basically a corporate for some 
Hoover Company, not Henry the Hoover. Yeah, not Henry the Hoover. Not, not Henry, Henry the Hoover, yeah. but for some American Hoover Company. Yeah. And here's the problem with that, right? Is that the idea of David Bowie playing that is kind of comic and poignant and full of pathos yeah. if he's up on stage doing the Bewley Brothers. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Because then you've got the juxtaposition of this incredibly yes. naff situation with this unbelievably yes. brilliant song. But the minute he does a cover, you just think like, well, yeah. I mean, this is just they a covers bloke, as they would have yeah. probably at such an event. They'd have a covers yeah. bloke. Yeah, what did he, on that, on the Hoover convention, did he do uh, New Amsterdam? What did he do? He did something. There's Amsterdam. I think he does Amsterdam. Well, actually, there's one point where he says, this is a song by a band I really like, and I have no idea what that is. I think he is that does not that. the Yardbirds one? No, that's that's the one at the end. Okay, and I, I don't know what it is. The song he says it's a band I really like. Right, um, and that, but yeah, at other points in the in it, he does Amsterdam, and the closest thing for me to him sounding actually like David Bowie is when he does My Death, which yeah is a great song and is a song that Bowie carried on doing. Yes. Right into he's doing it on David Live and stuff, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, I've got to say, I mean, you're right, and it's quite difficult to sing "My Death" without sounding like David Bowie. I think because it's. I think sort you of could sound of, like Jack Brell if you if you if you tried to sound like that. Like, funny enough, I don't know if I've ever actually heard the Jack Brell version. I think I've. I mean, I must have. Is done. it in French? Yeah, but I'm not racist about the French. If that's what you, that's not why. why Is it I'm called La Mort? No, uh, la, la, what's you, you can speak French, can't you? Mo, well, no, it needs to be possessive, so yeah. it'd be. Mm, Momort? Momort. <laughs> well, I don't know. That seems a bit odd. Yeah, it's well, certainly, the way, certainly the way you've done it. It sounds a bit odd. Just, <laughs> just Momort. Momort. See, I tried to see it then, but then I, I can't translate the rest of it. Um, what's, the, what's the first line? Uh, my death sits. My, my death at, waits behind the door or something. Momort attend... Uh, uh, what's, what's behind? Uh, I don't yeah. know, but I think uh, listeners, La you Porte. should you should know that I'm looking at Tim with headphones on, and so it's now become like a really, really bad version of being in a language laboratory in 1978. <laughs> like, I feel I have to repeat what you're saying to me. Écoutez et <laughs> <laughs> <Wasn't> that... <laughs> I used to love. I mean, this, I don't wish to become 70s nostalgic, even though this whole podcast is. But um, we had a language laboratory at my school, and. I, I wasn't very good at languages, but I did think going into the language laboratory was the height of technological yes. advancement at the time. I sort of was amazed that I was in a <laughs> what appeared to be, to my mind at the time, a soundproofed booth with headphones yes. on and a buttons I could press that would have a person speak to me in French. Is the language laboratory, because as you say, that's yeah. now no longer a thing because everything's kind of laborious. Like, because it had to be a very special, yes. almost like a sort of designated area for listening to things on tape. Well, we've both got children, so we could ask yeah. them, but I am, neither of my children have ever said to me, yeah, yeah, we did French today. We were in the language lab. <laughs> I <know. laughs> so I, so I said that. So that means all those quite big rooms that were big, absolutely big, set up for that with quite, you know, loads of booths and loads of uh, plug-in wires whistle. and plug-in. Yeah. Presumably they've just been dumped and now they're, other classrooms. I mean, that must be that must be true. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to ask them. My kids go to a school where you have to learn two languages as a minimum. Uh, well, three, three. English. Well, English. Oh right, English. Okay. I mean, they're not learning English. I don't well, count that learning. as a uh, no. who, who counts that as learning a language. Well, what I mean is, it, they, so they have two non-core languages <laughs> in module B, two in module B, <laughs> and one in module A. Okay, okay. right, good. <laughs> and well, it would be probably something like that. 
And they, um, they've never, yeah, like you, they've never mentioned God. It's all bloody, you have to get, uh, get there early because there's so much like it's sci-fi stuff to prep for and things to plug in. I imagine they do it on their, why am I talking about this? I don't know. <laughs> we've, we've gone down the language laboratory route. Uh, so that's end of part one of what I'm going to call our Stardust special. Um, and we'll be continuing to talk about Stardust and probably a lot of things not to do with Stardust in the next edition of Stalking Time for the Moon Boys. Wow. <laughs> that was a bit too professional, wasn't it? It had a slight local DJ element to it. That was Radio 2. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.